would you say that you are sacrificing same-sex attraction for your relationship with God? Ooh, that's a really good question. <laughs> I would say I would sacrifice everything for God. You are listening to Radical Empathy, a Jubilee Media podcast. I'm John Regalado, and today we're going to talk about sex, sacrifice, and gay conversion therapy. Ah, uh, Carl, while you are not safe, I am not safe. And now you're really in the total animal soup of time. All right, welcome back. This is the podcast where we try and find the common threads that are shared by even the most distant perspectives. Thank you guys so much for your support of our first episode. It was just amazing to see those reviews and that's just really encouraging and has inspired us to make more of these. So we're going to keep pushing ahead and we're going to keep delivering. Thank you. So Anchor is the platform that we're publishing uh, these podcasts on and they have this really cool feature where you can leave us a voice message and um, kind of give us some feedback. So a lot of you visited our Anchor homepage and left us some really nice voice messages. And we wanted to share a few of our favorites with you guys. Hi, Jubilee. I just want to say thank you so much for your videos. You guys have really opened my mind up because you guys have a great message that I really believe needs to be spread at this time. Love you guys. Bye. Hello, Jubilee. My name is Allie, and I am 17 years old from Fort Worth, Texas. I absolutely love your platform, and I want to thank you for making a positive impact on so many people. Please keep up the good work. You definitely inspire me to become an advocate for human good. Hello, it's um, it's uh, Michelle's son, and I just want to say I'm a big fan of you guys. And uh, please give me a shout out. Uh, just email me and I'll send you my YouTube channel. Please just give me a shout out. <laughs> Mickelson or Michelle son, thank you. And we would love to give you a shout out, but you should let us know what your YouTube channel is so that we can do that. We loved getting some nice messages from you guys, but we also got some more serious messages from people around the world who wanted to share some of their struggles and some of their circumstances in their life uh, regarding the idea of belief. Hello. I really would love to be a guest on an episode to talk about uh, my experience undergoing conversion therapy. Basically, what I have to say is that the laws regarding conversion therapy are too strict, and because what I'm currently undergoing would be defined as conversion therapy, even though it's just counseling, and there's too much negativity and hate towards conversion therapy that we are missing the opportunities that it can help people. The young man who you just heard, his name is John. I was able to follow up with him and we had a few phone calls and decided that it was worth um, recording a full interview. And John's story is really remarkable. He finds himself in a really important moment in time. Conversion therapy is a very controversial practice that has a long history in the United States. and. 
is currently close to being fully outlawed in the state of Utah, which is where John lives. But I was really interested in hearing why this young man um, chose to voluntarily attend gay conversion therapy. And as I was talking to him, this larger theme of sacrifice started to come into focus. And so that's where we're going to start. First, I'm going to talk to some members of the Jubilee team, and then we're going to get to John's story. Taylor. Hi, John. Uh, Welcome back. Thank you. I got cut from the last episode, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What is the biggest sacrifice you've ever made? Is it bad that I have a hard time thinking of one? No, it's kind of complicated. Or what's a sacrifice that someone's made for you? Mm. Uh, Let's see. It sounds kind of like cliche or obvious, but maybe it's not. Um, Obviously to like put me through college. Mm. Um, So my dad was like, we were on a single income and I chose a really expensive private school. And he never fought me on it. And he just decided to buckle down and like save all his money. And I don't even know where he was cutting spending. But I Mm. mean, he just, yeah, he saved a lot of money and made a lot of sacrifices to put me through college. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Can you think of any sacrifices that you've had to make for others? I Maybe I don't sacrifice for people. I can think of a sacrifice that you make. Okay. You sacrifice your time for this team. I would say so. Your nights, your sleep. True. Your physical and mental health (laughs) for our videos. Sometimes, yeah. I've witnessed that firsthand, so I know that you make sacrifices. My name is Jason, and I'm the founder and CEO of Jubilee Media. So as a Christian, I do believe that, and just as a human, I think, I believe that we can't just live in service of ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And if and when we do, that's what's like sometimes the worst parts of our society. I think a lot of the, a lot of the hurt and the problems that we see in the world often result in us acting only in our self-interest or in our tribe's self-interest and not having a regard for someone else. Um, so in that way, I totally kind of buy into this idea that sacrifice is necessary mm-hmm. and that a lot of times things that we don't want to do um, are important. Can you think of like a sacrifice that you've made that's like very substantial or like the biggest sacrifice that you've made? Mm-hmm. This is Michael, a Jubilee director. I feel like I've sacrificed a lot of relationships um, with family, with friends, um, for myself. I feel like I chose mm. myself over people. Um, and around the holidays, around, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, I feel that heavy. I yeah, feel that I sacrifice, you know? I relate to that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. But overall, throughout the rest of the year, every day, every minute, I'm very thankful for the life that I created for myself. Why is it important to choose yourself sometimes? Who? It's so important to choose yourself because at the end of the day, that's all you have. You know what I mean? Like when you go to sleep, it's just you and your brain. You know, you can be sleeping next to someone, but all you have is you. Someone can leave you and 
all you have control over is yourself and the actions that you make towards people. And so I feel like it's so important to choose yourself all the time because that's the one thing that you have in this world is yourself and the actions that you make, hmm. you know? If we choose to live for others, do we lose the opportunity to be our best selves? If we live for ourselves, do we lose the opportunity to be a part of something larger? This key question brings us to our featured interview today with John. Just a heads up, in this conversation we talk about sex, we talk about pornography, we talk about masturbation, but we do it respectfully. We think it's a really valuable discussion and we wanted to share it with you guys. We'll let him take it from here. Hello! Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself and say who you are, how old you are, and where you are, just to start us off. So, my name is John. I am 19 years old from Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm in my bedroom. It's a great place to be. <laughs> and so, you are somebody who is currently um, going through a conversion therapy, is that right? That is accurate, yes. Okay, and so... When we talk about conversion therapy, we are talking about uh, homosexuality. Is that correct? Yep. And are you, would you identify as homosexual? I would not. Okay. Um, But you are someone who experiences same-sex attraction. Yes. Okay. And maybe if you could, in the briefest way, what's the distinction between those two labels for you? The difference between someone who identifies as a homosexual or as gay or really just any title from the LGBTQ plus community is just that they've decided that this is something that is innately a part of them. And that's totally great that that's awesome that people feel that that's something that's a part of them and they want to accept that. But for Mm -hmm. me and identifying that I have same sex attraction, it's really just accepting that there is a part of me that thinks a certain way. And that's really all it is. It's just, it's just another thing. I'm really just repeating my therapist right now. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's like having another skill essentially. <laughs> like mm. it's like being able to speak German. Like I can be sexually aroused by guys. So take that. <laughs> gotcha. Why though, have you chosen to not be homosexual? So I've chosen to abstain from the labels such as homosexual or gay, because I feel like that there's a lot of weight with those terms. Essentially, the reason that I don't identify as a homosexual is because I don't feel like I am one. Is there a spiritual or religious component to why you feel that way? Yeah, 110%. Um... For the listener to understand, I, like I said, I am from Utah, so I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also regularly referred to as the Mormon Church, uh, because Book of Mormon, the musical, which is a great musical, you should go watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Would you say that you are sacrificing same-sex attraction um, for your relationship with God? My therapist always says, John, if... I had a pill in my drawer that could get rid of your same-sex attraction, what would you give up? And I would literally 
give up everything I have. I would give up my house. I would give up all of my clothes. I would give up literally all of my possessions. If you told me I had to be homeless without any clothes, living on the street, but I wouldn't have same-sex attraction, I would do it. So yes, what I would say is that I'm sacrificing what I believe to be like this earthly state of happiness for for what I also believe to be uh, an eternal state of happiness after this life. So I guess let me outline to you what I think and where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, to give you a frame of reference. And then I would love to hear your story and to kind of just start from the beginning of your life and outline how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So when I hear your experiences, my default, and I'm not saying that this is right, but my default assumption would be that you're gay and that there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. Um, and that there's no need for you not to behave that way. But your reality is so much different and there's so many other things that are operating in your life that mm-hmm. make make it not the way that I just described it. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I and, think that that's I really like your opinion though. I think that's really cool. <laughs> so you take the mic and, and and start it where you want. Okay. Well, oh my. Hi listener. <laughs> and thank you, John. <laughs> um Well, I mean, if we're going to start anywhere, uh, when I was 11 years old in fifth or sixth grade, I started to go through puberty and I apparently started to go through it a little bit earlier than most uh, young boys, but I started to go through puberty and that of course led to this sudden like urge and feeling to, you know, touch myself. And I thought that I was doing something bad and something wrong uh, because I just, we had never talked about it ever, you know? If it, it was unknown, so it was probably bad. <laughs> because I was experiencing masturbation for the first time, I I didn't know what this was. And um, my therapist actually says that I have uh, a tendency to, to over-interpret things. So with masturbation, it wasn't just something that felt good to me. It was something that it had to represent something. I had to figure out why this was happening to me. And so I made an assumption, because it had to do with the penis, that it must mean that I am gay and that I am a homosexual. Uh, and I made that assumption at 11 years old. And eventually that somehow fell into looking up videos on YouTube. And then it was like, oh, if you, for more extreme stuff, go to this website. And so then it lead, led to pornography, uh, homosexual pornography. Uh, did you immediately go for homosexual pornography? So yes, I did immediately go for homosexual pornography uh, the first time. And then after after a couple of times of viewing homosexual pornography, I then at my church, uh, we have a young men's quorum, a deacon's quorum uh, that it's, and they actually separate all of the youth and uh, into different classes like every other week. So it's uh, basically, in my class, it was just a bunch of 11 and 12 year olds. <laughs> and one thing that they said is that you should never view another woman, a young woman, as a sexual object. And so when I was told that I shouldn't be viewing women as sexual objects, 
I made sure that any time a woman came up on my uh, while I was doing pornography that I looked away. And so the spiritual direction that you had gotten was pushing you towards men. Yes. And then seventh grade, I remember my health teacher was talking to us about pornography and just like the mental effects. And I remember I was just so angry because I felt like I had been abandoned and I felt like um, that I had been just kind of snatched up by this thing that, of course, by my daily life's definition is something that, you know, a Latter-day Saint would call it evil, but I'm hesitant to say that because I know that there are people listening who may be active porn stars or, you know, who do view pornography on a daily basis. But for Latter-day Saints, anybody who views pornography actively is considered an unworthy member. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. You were um, on it. You were open and honest with um, your peers about it? I wasn't open and honest with my peers until about ninth grade. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so seventh grade to ninth grade was a, you know, middle school is hard for everyone. <laughs> uh, and yeah. so, yeah, when I say it was a heartbreaking time, it was it was a heartbreaking time. Yeah, I remember sexual experiences when I was at that age. And your sexual experiences really are mostly just with yourself um, and and like the television or yeah. yourself and the internet. And so it's a very lonely experience, um, just w- a very private experience and then juxtaposed with you know the spiritual expectations it can be it's tough what was your school life like outside of your sexuality (laughs) i was as active as i could possibly B. I did musical. I did. I did ballroom team. I did. Uh, I tried to do debate, and then it, it was there for a year, and then it got canceled, which is fine. I'm totally over it. <laughs> and um, and I still had like crushes on girls that were like grade school grade school crushes, and I still, honestly, I still think I'm in love with this one girl that I've known since middle school, but. That's the thing. When I try to think about her sexually, I get uncomfortable, which mm. my therapist says uh, is also an issue because, um, yes, we I should respect women and treat them as more than just uh, an object, obviously. But to say that they are not sexual creatures isn't seeing them for who they truly are and what they're capable of and what their you know, what their true purpose is. So your therapist is in encouraging you to see women in a sexual way but not as sexual objects yes because i think of i think of women and sex and i think that's weird why would they do that (laughs) like why would they do that they don't need to do that they're so perfect but again like that in its in of itself is sexist because that's saying that that's me saying that this woman isn't capable of doing something and that's morally and that's just in every sense it's wrong 
have you had physical relationships with men in the past? Yes. And where do you put those experiences? How do you kind of categorize those? Were those mistakes or were they, are they positive memories? Or are they negative memories? I categorize them as experiences. I don't think they were bad. I don't think they were good. I just think that, yeah, no, they happened. And it's okay that they happened. Um, doing, okay. Having that happen will help me become a better person, hopefully. <laughs> Do you mind talking about those experiences, uh, however much you're comfortable? If you have specific questions, I would love to answer specific questions if you feel that that would be beneficial. I guess I'm just curious about like the human experience of it. You know, were these friend people who were your friends or, you know, how did you meet those other men and are they going through the same struggles as you or are they also Latter-day Saints and and they are kind of going through similar challenges as you? I I guess I'm just curious about the story. Of course. So, I experienced it um through Craigslist which got banned a couple uh, like at the beginning of this year, I believe. So yeah, through Craigslist, uh, just because you didn't need to make an account and all of that. So you saw uh, and you really, sought it out through the internet. Yes. Was that scary? I mean, that must have been kind of scary. I don't know, maybe not, but yeah, no. Here's the thing. It like and sorry, when I pause, it's not that I'm uncomfortable. It's that mm-hmm. my mind is racing and I'm trying to pick apart the best response. Totally. Um, well, yes, of course it was scary. I was terrified, but at the same time, it was, it was more so of a statement, I think, to God. I did those things because I had given up hope that my father in heaven cared about me. I had given up that he appreciated the sacrifices I was making in my everyday life to try and be better, even though I wasn't showing improvement in the area I needed to be improving in. And so I just kind of said, like, if none of this matters, then why am I even trying to avoid it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did it. And and then told my bishop and my parents, and then the real punishments came. And the real heartbreak came. Yeah. And um What were the yeah. what were the real punishments? Um, having to come to terms with the fact that I single-handedly sent a man to prison. Oh, what do you mean? That's great. Because uh, I was a minor at the time. Um, oh, so you had. And that's. You reported the person that you connected with online. Yeah. And that's phenomenal. That's super awesome knowing that I single handedly ruined someone's life. Um, how long ago was this? So you were a minor at the time, so you were under yeah. 18. You're 19 now. Mm-hmm. But how long ago? I was, uh, was a junior. I was 16. Um, okay, so th- this was a legal situation. That must have been kind of traumatizing. Only a little bit. Um so I thought that I would feel different after the experience, but it happened. And then the next morning I was, you know, I was in school and I was like, literally nobody here knows what I've done and I don't feel any different. And that, you know, led to more isolation. Um, and my parents, of course, they got, they got rightfully so furious at me. Um, and then my mom also told me that, 
you literally, like, John, you can't tell anybody this. You can't. You had told me when we first connected that you were adopted, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I... You have a very complex life. Yeah. Yeah, just a bit. It's Uh, (laughs) it's unique and fascinating, but it's also, I mean, you have had a lot of challenges. That's very kind of you to say. I don't know if I would say that, but I think, you know, we all have different definitions of challenges. Let's talk about your therapist a little bit. What goes on in the sessions? How do you guys approach the problem? Essentially, all we talk about is different ways of thinking about same-sex attraction. And that's it. He really just gives me challenges. Uh, At first, he was just giving me challenges to decrease the amount of time I was masturbating. Mm -hmm. What's the end goal? To be completely celibate? The end goal is to be a good person by the time I die. That's it. But what is, I think you already are a good person. What? That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> yeah. So, you, so mission accomplished. But I, I don't know. I wouldn't say so, but thank you. That's very kind of you, John. <laughs> what are your conversations with God like? Oh, I'm always like, yo, God, give me, hit me up. <laughs> just kidding. I don't talk like that in case you couldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> here, I really do just chat with him like he is a close friend and like he's always next to me. Like if you if like if he was physically here, he'd be right here. But like spiritually he's here. Uh and that's just what I believe in personally. But so you think he intentionally created you um with same sex attraction? No. Okay. I do and not. Can you explain uh, kind that? Kind of like what I was saying with uh yeah, kind of like I what I was saying with like the language thing before. Mm-hmm. I think that he created me uh, in his image, uh, like him. And then the same-sex attraction was a trait that was learned uh, because of the society that I grew up in. Mm. Do you think that you will always be attracted to men? In this life, yes. Hmm. Ultimately, I feel like sad that you have to walk this like tightrope walk of kind of being something that doesn't seem to be instinctive to you. And Mm -hmm. I hear you saying that, you know, the world affected you this way and the world influenced you this way and it's unfortunate and it's a challenge and you're trying to be better for God. But it, from my perspective, it just makes me sad that you have to go through that challenge. You know, is there any chance that you think God would just accept you as a homosexual man who wants to love another man and who wants to be a dad and raise God-fearing kids and and stay a Latter-day Saint, but just be a gay Latter-day Saint? I know that, and other Latter-day Saint, Latter-day Saints will probably disagree with me here, mm-hmm. but I know that God would accept me if mm-hmm. I did that. I know that Heavenly Father wouldn't hate me for living a homosexual lifestyle, but I'm sacrificing what's easier 
to hopefully gain a higher reward, I guess, if that makes any sense. And that sounds so offensive, kind of, but I... Well, I don't think it's offensive, just, but what's, what's that higher reward? An eternal family. Um, as Latter-day Saints, we believe that, you know, the family is the most important thing. That's why there's such a large focus on heterosexuality, because you can't have a family if you're not a heterosexual. <laughs> um, and... Well, you know, like I said, I'm adopted and I know, you know, I went through a lot of heartbreak not knowing who my parents were and, and, and wondering like if I was just not wanted or whatever. And that's, you know, a whole other topic, but I, you know, I want to, I want to be that person for somebody and I want to, I want to be someone that like a little kid can trust and can expect to be there and I just want to be someone that someone that someone else knows that I will love them no matter what and that that they are of eternal worth just for being and that's it you know Um, yeah, I, I think that might be it. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to know that, you know, everything's okay. And I think you're a good guy. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're also an awesome guy too. I hope you know. And I'm not just saying that just like, just like bounce it like seriously. I really appreciate your willingness to listen because, uh, there's a lot of people that won't. So thank you so much. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who have gone through what you are going through. And I hope that it gets easier. Yeah. Because Agreed. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the last few years of your life have been very easy. Yeah, but they have not. Uh, what got me through what was literally the worst year that ended like maybe three months ago uh, of my life was just me saying, Heavenly Father, literally the best year of my life better be freaking amazing because this is awful and I hate this. (laughs) But, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to see and find out. (laughs) All right, dude. Well, you take care of yourself and we will be in touch. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Seriously. Thank you. It's been awesome. All right. Well, you have a great night and I'll talk to you You soon. You too. Okay. See ya. Have a good one. See ya. It's obviously tempting to want to apply your own interpretation to his story and to assign meaning to all of the things that happen um, through John's journey. But I would encourage you and I'm going to challenge myself to take a step back and give him some air and give the story some air and let the meaning kind of come into focus over time. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And once again, John, thank you for sharing your story with us. 
If you have an experience or a story that you would like to share with us, you can go to our homepage on Anchor, anchor.fm forward slash Radical Empathy. And there is a voice message feature. You can shoot us a voice message, tell us your story. And if it jumps out at us, we might invite you onto the show. Spend the next day uh, or the next week thinking about some of the sacrifices that you make in your life and some of the sacrifices that people make for you and some of the invisible sacrifices that are definitely um, happening around you. Over and out. Until next time.